0: Mark the hair. Hello Found Springs. Did anybody feel that that was a a glimpse of your Thanksgiving experience this past week? Anybody? Yeah? No? Yes? Okay, if if it was, we have some counselors that are waiting in the back that we can kind of walk you through it and get everything solved for, because Christmas is right around the corner, you know, it's a little awkward. Um, But once again, we are glad that you're here. We're thankful for you being here, braving the weather. Um, It is an awesome thing. I wanted to welcome the guys um, that are meeting at RCMU. If you don't know about this, this is amazing. We do this every week. So I don't want this just to become kind of normal. I don't want you to just kind of gloss over this, how cool it is that we have a bunch of family members, our Fountain Spring family members, that are meeting at, at the prison in, in, in the Rhapsody Minimal Unit, 40, 45 of them, and this is what's cool. Last week, they baptized five guys. I mean, how cool is that? So welcome, guys. We're glad that you're here. And yes, we are in this awkward family um, Christmas series. Now, here's what I want you to make sure that you know. When we are talking about family, we want to make sure to include everybody in that. All right? Because a lot of times when we hear the word family, this is what we immediately go 2.47 kids. Because I think that's the average, 2.4732 something. All right, 2.4 kids, uh, a white picket fence. And, and that's not what we're talking about family. So when we talk about family, we're talking about singles, teenagers, students, uh, young kids, grandparents, um, 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, it doesn't matter. We all are a part of a family. So let's just get some stuff out on the table before we go any further, all right? There is not a family in the world... That is not awkward. Can everybody just own that? Can we all just own that all of our families are awkward? In fact, I may even go one step further and say we all are dysfunctional. Okay? Because here's what happens. And this is what social media has done for us. We think in our heads that other families are not dysfunctional and awkward. Because we go on Instagram, and we're doing our scroll thing, you know? And, we're, and, and we see all these pictures of families, and they're all happy, and they're all just joyous, and they're playing games, and they love each other, and they're hugging. It's a lie, okay? Because we can make our social media outlets anything we want to. They have filters. We can take pictures at certain moments. So we start to compare our family, which we know is dysfunctional, awkward. I'm a pastor's family. We're supposed to have nice families. Look out. The Killinger family is awkward, all right? We are dysfunctional. My marriage is dysfunctional. And I work on it all the time, but it still has awkwardness and dysfunction to it, just like yours. And we're all a part of this. But there's certain people out there, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just do not have a discerning eye that they should not put these pictures out, but I thought we should start with a couple of awkward family photos. Let's start that way. Let's see what we got. This is actually, the dog knows that something is wrong here, right? Right? Look at the dog's face. He's like, awkward. Okay. Same here. This lab, labs, they're smart. I, I got a lab. And, and this lab's going, they just didn't want me, because he's part of the family. So this one makes sense, okay, to me. Uh, and you know what's happening. In this, they're, they're planning a picture, a family, put, you know, the little cards that you send out in the foil envelopes, and they're going, this is a great idea. We get a rocking chair, all right? All the girls could be lined up, and the guy could wait. I mean... I don't know. And this one, I just. (laughs) These two ladies here are just going, uh. You can just tell. Because we are all awkward, and that's the thing that I wanted to make sure that you understood. We are all dysfunctional. So as we start going through this series, as we start grasping what it means and owning what it means to be a family, this is what we want to give you. That family no matter what stage of it you are in, family takes work. That we can't accidentally do family. And that's what we all try to do many, many, many times. Whether it's parenting, whether it's being a teenager, whether it's you're in your single days, or whether you, you know, you're a grandparent. We cannot accidentally go through life and expect our families to be healthy, happy, and somewhat dysfunctional. We can't do it. It is impossible. It does not accidentally happen because here's the positive. Here's the thing that happens. You are either going to add to your family in one of two ways. You are either going to add a positive or you are going to add a negative. Okay, teenagers. You are either going to add a positive element to your family or you're going to need to either add a negative. There is no such thing as adding Neutrality. You cannot be neutral in your family. It is impossible. It's either positive or negative. And that's what we want to get. What are you going to add to your family? Family takes work. Family is intentional, not accidental. Now, some of you understand and realize and know that because you own businesses, you've been a part of businesses, you work for businesses, The businesses have mission, uh, vision, values, boundaries. They have all these things and they have them written out. Some of them are internal, some of them are external, right, that they want people to know about. And this is what successful businesses do in order to accomplish their goals. Now, there is one of my favorite businesses out there, and, and we don't have one here in Rapid City, so if any of you are like businessmen and think this is a good idea, I will be your best customer, all right? Chick-fil-A, okay? Chick-fil-A, they got like seven people, yeah, and so the rest of you are going, Chick-fil-A what, right? Chick-fil-A. All right, fast food chicken restaurant, love it. If you are traveling, you need to go to Chick-fil-A. All right, gate C-17, it's right next door to the Minneapolis airport, all right? You just go to gate C-17, it'll be right, just look at C-17, it'll be right to your left, okay? Don't miss it, because you can go there, okay? I go there every time I go through the airport, all right? And he, he, here's, here's their mission and vision statement, all right? Listen to this, Chick-fil-A. To be America's best quick service restaurant, to glorify God, by being faithful stewards of all that is entrusted to us, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That's deep. If you notice, it doesn't say anything about chicken. It doesn't say anything about making money. It says we want to be a positive influence to the people we come in contact with. We want to be stewards of what God has given us, and we want to be the best. And if you've ever had it, it is the best. Okay? Now, here's another one. Take Fountain Springs. You all are here, and I I don't know if you guys knew that. You are at Fountain Springs Community Church. Okay? Right here. In the snow. You guys rock. You brave, brave the snow. So I know there's some of you out there that are like, I'm going to church just so I can drive in the snow. A couple of the guys are like, yeah, he's right. Okay? Now, fountain springs we have the same thing we have a mission and vision and it's very clear and we don't hide it we tell everybody that we know and maybe you can even repeat it if you're new maybe not but if you've been here a couple weeks you might even know this love give go very simple to remember but it's very pointy it comes right out of the prodigal son love unconditional love no matter what no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter who you are no matter what dysfunction comes from your family we will love you we will love with everybody we lock eyes with in this community and in this world. Second one is, is um, uh, you know, giving. Irrational. And maybe you, it doesn't even up here, it probably makes sense here, but up here, it doesn't even make sense. Irrational giving. Just, it doesn't even comprehend. We will give until it hurts. And we want our people to embody that too. To be giving to all those. And we're not just talking financially. We're talking of our our time, our treasure, our talents. Everything that God has given us. And the last one is go. Unwavering mission that we know where we're going, we know the plan that God has has designed for this church. I believe you talk about 574 baptisms. I believe some of that, not all of it cuz God's doing some here, but I believe some God's blessing that cuz we know where we're going. We have a direct plan and we're unapologetic about it. That we want to love people, to give to people and to send people on mission to go. And that's what we're about. But what happens is, yeah, there's a a ministry context to that, and then there's a business context to that. But what happens is, when we go into our families at night, we come home from our jobs where we know where we're going, we know the destination of our our employer, we know the destination of our church, but we come home, we don't know where our families are going. Because we just sometimes go through our families accidentally. And that's what I want to get at tonight. I want to give you some practical ways that you can understand and grasp, and you can start going down a path of being intentional in your family. So here's the first thing. I wanna talk a little bit about values. Values are not taught, okay? Values are caught. Now, I just taught you on values, but the thing about it is, that if they're not caught, if they're not grabbed, if they're not absorbed into who you are, the teaching doesn't matter. You have to catch them. I'll give you a couple examples. The first example is this. Have you ever been around a campfire? Hello? I've got like bright lights on me. I can't, like you guys are all sleeping or anything out there? Um, campfire, right? What happens after a campfire? You go inside, you know, you warm up a little bit. And what, what is there? Smell, right? There's this smell that permeates every single thing that you have. Now, this may get a little bit past what we, we don't know each other that well. But you t- I, I remember going to a campfire and I took off my, my boxers and I smelled the smoke. Some of you are going, okay, I'm leaving. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Awkward. That's what the series is about. So I wanted to give you some awkward moments, right? But that smoke, it permeates everything you have. You get in the shower and you wash your hair. You smell that smoke. How about this? How about an accent? All right, we talk normal up here in the north, right? Who's laughing? All right, Yeah, we talk normal. You go down in the south and they talk funny. They do, they talk funny. They, they got this twang and these, they, they speak different languages. We had a pastor at my last church that he, there was times we had to put interpretations up on the screen of what he was saying. And I'm dead serious, he was from Alabama, and I love people from Alabama, but he just talked funny. But you don't go down there on vacation, even a two week, three week, four week vacation and come home and talk funny. It comes over time. You catch it. You're not taught it. They can't go you talk like this. You can't take You. I can't even do it. Right? That's my worst impression. But over time you catch it. And it doesn't even matter if you are from the South. It becomes a part of who you are. Now Let me give you one more personal example. Let me press into something. For those of you who have kids, if you get into your car after church and you put it in drive and you and your spouse or significant, you know, you're together and you're talking and you're leaving church and you're going home and you start griping about everything that was wrong with the church service and you got the 2.4 in the back and they're listening even though they're doing their own thing, here's what I will guarantee you. If that becomes a habit, your kids will walk away from the church when they're old enough and never come back because they caught what you were saying. And that is huge because even though you may not think they are watching and they are listening, grandparents, they are watching and they are listening, 20-year-olds, they... Teenagers watch you and listen. Teenagers, kids like that are—I have a seven-year-old and a ten-year-old. They are watching you and they are listening, and they are following. So why don't we actively pursue, intentionally pouring into our families? You know what? I love this place. I've fallen in love with this church. I know this community. I've always been in love with Rapid City. But here's the thing. Even though we have a great church, a great place to serve, a great place to give, a great place to attend, you know what? Fountain Springs is not enough. You can't send us your kids, and we'll fix them. You can't send us your 20-year-olds, and we'll fix them. That's not what it's about because God didn't design it that way. He designed it to be a part of a family. Look at Deuteronomy All right, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now, this is a key part. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Yeah, it talks about children here, but look at the rest of this stuff. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That means talk about them. When you're in the car, when you're on the phone, when you're at Starbucks, when you're at work, when you're going to Target, when you're doing whatever, talk about them. Impress them upon those values, upon your children. Impress them around your friends. Impress them around the community that you hang with, your friends, your family, It's very clear because Jewish culture knew that if it wasn't everywhere, it didn't matter. Here's another verse. 1 Corinthians 4.16. All right. 1 Corinthians 4.16 says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, if we just read that verse, we're thinking that that verse is just talking about imitate Jesus. But I didn't want, I always say you have to read verses before and verses after, never just read one verse, um, so read it before and after. But if you go all the way to 1 Corinthians 11:1, this is where this verse is kind of explained. It's talking about the apostles, and what the apostles are saying is, "You follow me because we are following the example set by Christ." It's the way God designed it. God designed us to imitate others in how they are living their lives. It's huge. It's important. How many of you, uh, finish this statement for me, if if you can. You may never have heard this because you all are really good parents and you had really good parents. But do as I say. If any of you ever say that, I'm, I'm coming to your house. Because it's so wrong. Because, Just think, did you ever say, oh, okay, that makes sense, Dad. No, (laughs) right? Not one of us. Because we imitate. God designed us that way. We watch other people. We watch other families. We watch our grandparents. Now, I want to give you a couple things. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter if you're a parent, no matter if you're single, no matter if you're a teenager, you can take these values, these things that we're going to talk about, and you can start something new today. This is what I call kind of a new normal, all right? We all have dysfunction. We've already owned that. We all know that. We all have problems. In fact, many of us are from broken homes Right where there are some pretty serious issues, but why not today? Why don't you start a new normal? Maybe you're in a marriage right now that is really struggling. Maybe you're in a relationship that's really struggling. Maybe you're a teenager and you don't like your parents. Get over it. But here's the thing. Today, maybe you need to start a new normal with these things that God has given us. So here's the first one. Develop your family values. Develop them. Now, here's the thing. You can't come, let's say, like I'm the dad, and I, I, you know, I have a, a wife, her name's Becky, and two daughters. I can't come into my family and say, here's our values, like it? Or there's the door. I can't do that, right? I'm gonna sit down with my wife, and I'm gonna start developing, all right? And here's some questions that, when Becky and I did this many years ago, these are the questions that we asked each other. Here's the first one. What really matters to us as a couple. So when Becky and I started and we had really young girls there, you know, just one and 3 I think when we did this, and we decided what really matters to us at the core of who we are, what keeps us up at night, what breaks our heart. And we started to write all those down. We came up with probably 30 or 40 of them. The next one is, what do we want our girls in our situation, what do we want to pass on to your children? You could say, if you're a grandparent or if you're single, what do we want to pass on to the next generation, even if they're not your kids? And start writing those down. Here's a couple of examples, all right? I'm not going to give you the Killinger family values, even though they're, they're on the app, all right? So don't, don't copy. That's just, I learned that in Spanish class. You don't copy people, okay? You get in trouble, all right? So, but... I'll give you an example of our family. One of our family values, I'm not gonna give you all four, we have four of them, but one of our family values is we wanna be a family of adventure. So I wanna have adventure in my marriage, and I wanna have adventure as a dad, but I wanna go on an adventure personally. And everything that I do, I want to have adventure in it because here's the fact of the matter. The world out there right now, the world that we are living in is telling a story. And I don't want our family's story to be less than what the world's story is. I want our family story to be amazing. And I want our girls to see that ministry is awesome. And what I get to do is awesome. And it's hard at times. It's draining at times. And I want them to see that marriage, though it has its trials, it's amazing. And I want them to see that. And so everything that we do has adventure in it. To our budget, sometimes that's really an adventure, right? But we budget our money so that we get to take our girls on adventure. As you get to know me, you will see. We'll go to Cancun. We'll go to Riviera Maya. We've been to Jamaica. We've been all over the world. Because we, but we give up other things and every month we set aside money to take our family on adventure because we think it's so important. And everything affects it. Whether we're, in fact, today my wife was, was, was laughing at me and I'm like, what? She says, you can get our girls to do anything. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I, th- I thought it was like a bad thing. But she says, It's awesome. So you wanted Kira to put away some stuff and you got out your phone and you turned on your timer and it says, if you do this in 15 seconds, it's like totally unattain- unobtain- unobtainable. Totally unobtainable. And she, I, I said, "Oh, do it, Kira. You, you got this. Boom. She bolted downstairs, ran into, I heard doors slamming. I heard things coming about and she made up 15.42. I gave it to her. I was a generous dad. <laughs> right? And she got a prize for putting away, I think it was like hairbrush and stuff. That just drives me nuts. It's just all over the long hair. But I'm making things adventurous. Now, if her mom would have come in, and I love her mom dearly, but if she would have just said, hey girls, put away your stuff, I would have been coming home tonight and I still would have been there. Because that's just what the world we live in. So that's one of our family values. The keys to this is the leaders of the family, the leaders of the home, and maybe if you're single, you are the leader, but you have to be on the same page. That's the key to that. Now, next one is develop some family boundaries. Now, we can talk and I can teach. I can probably do a 10-week series on boundaries for your teenagers. So if you want some suggestions on that, you can come talk to me. Teenagers are like, oh, great, this youth pastor is horrible. Um, but I can gladly give it. I'm not going to give it. But I think there's other boundaries that we all need to have. Here's a couple examples of mine. That I will only be out my goal is 3 nights a week. 4 is my drop dead maximum. I'll never go past 4. Because we have a value that I am home at night and put my girls to bed, pray with them at night, do devotions with them at night. That's a value to us. And so in order to protect that value, I put in boundaries. I can be out 3 nights a week. 4 is the maximum. Now, there's times when I travel and things like that, been to the Philippines, I'm going again in January, all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't matter. That Those things happen. But by protecting a value, we put in boundaries. So parents, maybe you need to put in some boundaries. 20-year-olds, the boundaries that you put in now will affect your marriage, will affect your parenting, will affect your grandparenting. Start putting them in now. Teenagers, really start putting them in now. And that's just an example. There's so many different boundaries. Boundaries in your budget. We will not spend more than we make. Makes sense, right? But the people like us, I have a Dutch wife who hates to spend money, but me, I'm like, I get it. I guess we need it, right? I'm like, oh yeah, we better check, see if we have the money. So we have a boundary and we will not spend more than we make. Makes sense, right? So all that stuff is, is important. So come up with boundaries, What do you want to pass on to your kids? Things like that that are so vital. Next one is, and these are the last two. This is huge, and we were talking about this earlier. Be the example. Don't ever say, do as I say, not as I do. Don't make me come in there. hate that one too. But be the example. And you will not be perfect. I guarantee it, you will never be perfect. No matter what stage of life you're in, you will not be perfect. You will fall flat on your face. I do it all the time. I do it as a husband. I do it as a pastor. I do it as a parent. I do it as a friend. You will always fall flat on your face. But always strive to be that example. Be that person that people can look up to, that they can Im- imitate. The direction you are facing has a lot to do with your destination. So if you don't know your values and you don't know where you're going as a family, it's hard to know which direction you're facing. And your kids and your grandkids really have no idea which way you're facing if you don't. And the last one is this. Make them catch the vision. Deuteronomy 11 uh, says this. Write them on your doors and gates so that both you and your children will live as long time in the land of the Lord promised your ancestors, as long as the skies are above the earth. Write them on your doors and your gates. You know, that's the thing. I go into people's homes. This 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 Thanksgiving I got to spend it in somebody else's home. And you know what I do? I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm weird, I don't know. But I walk around their homes and I look at what's on their walls. And I can tell what they value by what's on their walls. Do it sometime. In this home, I saw pictures of their wedding. I saw scripture. I saw pictures of their kids, picture of their dog. But that's what they value. That's what was important to them. Write them on your doors and gates. Did you know that right here on the the west campus, we have love, give, go wallpaper? <laughs> I went to Lowe's this week getting some Christmas stuff. And I, went, I just thought I'd have fun because I knew I was preaching on this. And I went back to the wallpaper department. Never been in a wallpaper department before because I don't like wallpaper. Because I had a house once where I had to take it off. And I walked. I went in there and I says, where do you get the love, give, go wallpaper? And this kid, he's like 25. He's like, What? You know, the wallpaper that says love, give, go. He says, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, all right. But they put that on there because we write them on the doors and gates. We want people to know what we stand for. That's true with you. Let me bring this all circle for you. I am blessed to have the heritage of a Christian family for generations and generations. And in 2012, I was at a baseball game in Springfield, Illinois, and it was cold. It was in March, it was the end of March. And my cell phone rings, and I get on my cell phone, and it's my mom. My mom lives here in Rapid City, it's where I grew up. And my mom goes, Jake, um, your grandpa is dying. She goes, Can you go? And what you need to know is my grandparents lived an hour, hour and 15 minutes south of me, and I was the closest family relative of anybody. This was my third emergency call in a couple years. My grandpa was 91. And she goes, Can you go? Do you have time to go tonight? And I said, for sure, yeah, I'm going. I, and I got in the car, I took my family home, I packed a bag, and I was on the road in like 30 minutes. And about halfway there, I found out that my grandpa had died. So I pulled in, and I, I actually got a hold of my grandma, and, and I, she said, no, don't come to the hospital, I'll meet you at ho- the house. And she pulled in, and I literally pulled in right behind her, and I was the first one there. She has two boys, one in Nashville, one in Iowa, and then my mom, who lives here. So I was the closest and we cried and we hugged and, and, and we went inside and I got her something to eat and, and I just comforted my grandma, who I love dearly. And we were sitting there at the table and my grandma says, we have so much to do. I says, well, we don't need to, you know, I'm trying to be the good grandson. We don't need to do that right now, grandma. I've been through this with, with families and been being a pastor, I kind of was the, probably the best one to be there. I says, we don't need to do that now. She goes, no, I, I think right now I'd like to. So we started making a list of everything that we had to do. Obituary and getting clothes for grandpa to wear. And we needed to meet with the pastor. I, I, they actually asked me years before that to do the funerals. And so she goes, well, I need to meet with you. And I'm like, I think we are, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we went through all this big, long list. She goes, well, why don't we write his obituary tonight? And that's maybe what all we'll do. And I said, okay, we can do that. So I pulled out my laptop and I said, let's start writing. Da, da 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 you know how they all start, where and when it happened, when he was born, all that kind of stuff. And we got about through the first paragraph, and we'd been spending like 30 minutes on it. And I go, Grandma, do you think that Grandpa maybe wrote this out? And it, a light bulb came on. She ran back into his office, into his safe, opened it, and there was an, in case of death, sealed manila envelope. And she came out with a smile on her face and she put it on the table. She says, why don't you open it? And I opened this manila envelope because here's what one of the things that my grandpa values. It was communication. And he didn't have that his whole life. I think he developed that later on, a 50, 60, 70 year old, 80 year old, he died when he was 91, but he valued communication. And I opened this really thick manila envelope and I pulled out. There was his obituary, word for word. The only thing that was missing was the date that he died and where it happened. And we used it to the T. And my grandma started to cry. And here comes a checkbook with $20,000 in it. She says, "I." he needs a little note on it, sticky note that said, Bertha, that's his wife, he says, I just love you more than anything and I know this is the hardest moment and I want to make this as easy as possible for you. Here's a checking account that every single thing in relation to my expense of me dying will cover. And then there's another sticky note. It says, I want Jake to go down to the Holiday Inn and get room reservations for every single person in the family. It comes out of this account and I want them to party. If the Cardinals are playing, I want to buy tickets and the party at the Cardinal game, go St. Louis. And they were, it was opening weekend, but all the family came in. And there were love letters written to my grandma, to the boys, to the grandchildren, to my mom. And he wanted to express his love to his family because one of his values was communication. And even though he was dead, that communication continued after his death and his love continued after his death and because of that, one of my family values is communication. So it'll be powerful for you to not walk out tonight and forget about what was said but to do what God was saying, to write it on your doors, to imitate him and start a new normal in your family.